Oh, yeah. I'm just begging. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't you know. Don't you know. Here we go. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This right here, this is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where we get into a different album every week. And I don't know why the music stopped, but it did. Uh, but yeah, we get into a different album every week and we get down and dirty with it. We get into the nitty gritty of it. We dissect it and we try to have a good time doing it. But we also fight a lot because that's <sighs> what we do. My name is Tyler. Way out there, hundreds of miles away. Way out there in the ether is Jeff. Uh, go to iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. And uh, yeah, definitely go to iTunes, do that. Give us a five-star rating and review because that means a lot. That would be great. Don't be a Bocephus and give us a one-star because he's an asshole. Uh, so yeah, go do that for us. A uh, huge shout-out to the Bomb Pops because we did their album Death in Venice Beach last week and we had a great time doing it. And uh, and they reach out to us and they're really awesome. So go check out the Bomb Pops. Check out their records and just they're great. So go she do that. Boy. They're very very nice people and um, good peoples, great peoples, the best peoples some might say. Oh. But but this week we're not doing the Bomb Pops. Unfortunately, we're doing another another artist, another fine artist, and. Uh, yeah, but, but, uh, normally we <laughs> normally we uh, we rank the albums of of an artist, but this guy's this guy's a little wild. He put out a lot of records, <laughs> so we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna listen to all of his records and rank him because that's just insane, and we're not that insane. Yeah. So, what are we doing today, Jeff, on the pod? We're doing Buck Owens and his album "I've Got a Tiger by the Tail." I've got a tiger by the tail, it's plain to see. I won't be much when you get through with me. Well, I'm a losing weight and a turning mighty pale. Looks like I've got a tiger by the tail. Well, I thought the day I met you, you were meek as a lamb. Just the kind to fit my dreams and plans Now the pace we're living takes the wind from my sails And it looks like I've got a tiger by the tail I've got a tiger by the tail, it's plain to see I won't be much when you get through with me Well, I'm a losing weight and a turning mighty pale Looks like I've got a tiger by the tail. 
right, Buck Owens began his music career in 1945 at the age of 16 years old. During his career, he put out 39 full-length records, nine live albums, 16 compilations, and is one of the most influential artists in all of country music history. Uh, I've Got a Tiger by the Tail is his eighth album, and it was released March 10th, 1965. It's one of his most successful albums and is one that helped create what is known as the Bakersfield Sound. Now, Jeff, that's all I got. What are your first impressions on Buck Owens and this record? I've got a tiger by the tail. Go. So I think I cannot remember the first time I heard Buck Owens. I know the first song that I heard by Buck Owens, and it was uh, it was Act Naturally, which is not even like his song, but somebody sold it to him essentially. Um, that was the first song that I heard by Buck, and then I I was kind of searching for what album that came off of and i came to this one and Mm -hmm. some of the later releases of this one had act naturally as like a bonus track to it and on spotify as well as well as (laughs) well on spotify it also has a has act naturally as the bonus track and so for the longest time i've always thought that act naturally was a part of this album until we did this album this is like a repeat kind of but until we did this album yeah. like a while ago, that's when I realized that, that Act Naturally is not on this album. And so I was a little disappointed, but that kind of forced me to get more into this album specifically. And um, damn, dude. Damn. This damn. is a banger. Like this is this is this is a fucking banger. And it's weird because like my my ideal guitar like if i could just have any type of guitar free of charge mm. whatever it's always been a telecaster i think telecasters are the bee's knees i think they can do it all i think they're the most versatile i think they have a fantastic sound straight out the box but specifically this sounding telecaster this album this era this dude and his kind of better half slash partner that telecaster mm-hmm. sound i think is is the perfect guitar sound and it is my favorite guitar sound boom first impression favorite guitar sound that is that is a bold bold statement now like jeff said this we we have done this record once uh, on a long long forgotten episode long lost episode that is no longer available and we decided to do it again because one, we love the record, and two, we didn't really do it justice the first time around. So that's kind of why we're doing it now. But my first impressions on on Buck Owens and this record, uh, I've always known about Buck Owens growing up because my grandpa he always would listen to old country music, outlaw country. That's like all he ever listened to. That and Polka. That's all he ever listened to. Damn. I like so, him. That's solid. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, growing up, this is all I would listen to. So, we, him and I would be out in the garage and he would like teach me how to like do things like use tools and, you know, just that kind of stuff. And he'd always have the radio playing and it would always be old country music, Buck Owens, whatever, you know, Merle Haggard, whatever it is, you know. So, I, I've always known the music, but I never really knew who it was. And then as I've gotten older... 
I've recognized, oh, this is who this is. That's who that is. You know, that's how it goes. Yeah. Um, but I never knew any particular album until you brought along this record. And this is the first, that was the first time I ever heard this record. And that was a few years ago, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, when, when we decided to do this record originally. And uh, that was the first time I listened to this. And God damn, man, th- th- <laughs> there's so many fucking bangers on here. And there's so many instances, instances on this record that you can tell so many bands have taken from. Not even country bands, but like punk bands. Yeah. Yep. It's it's like wildly influential. And then hearing the history with like the uh, the singer from Corn and like the, the, dude, Buck Owens was insane. He's so cool. He was so cool. So Super cool. I, I I I totally agree. But I do want to throw out the caveat of would he be as great without his his right hand, without his without his backup, without arguably the better part about this band the better guitar player the better songwriter his rock his partner mr rich mr don rich oh uh it's possible i mean oh man damn it i just had like who wrote all the songs but i think like my favorite songs of of his were the songs that were primarily written by buck not just buck and and don but now I can't remember because but don't forget I closed too. that tab. Okay, so I mean, just throwing it out there. Don Rich died um, in '74, and mm-hmm. and it it affected Buck in this weird way, where as if like your spouse died, or as if like I don't know, your fucking dog died. It's it his best friend died, and it affected him in a negative way for the rest of his life. And you said he had 39 albums, or Buck Owens yes. and the Buckaroos had 39 albums. After after he died, they had like four, maybe five yeah. albums. So prior to that, they were just cranking them out left and right, <laughs> and it was it's it's yeah it's interesting. It's interesting to think like how somebody's death can affect somebody else in in the musical in a musical kind of point of view. And and Don Rich himself is just like specifically his tone, dude, and and and. I don't know, but like I'm, I'm all over the place. We got to hone it down fairly quickly because I'm, I'm just going to go into forty-five different tangents. But like even Buck Owens irritated people in the country music realm because that Bakersfield sound that you talked about—that is a a cut. That just think of the Bakersfield sound as country at the, for the time period mixed with rock and roll, and yeah. that twang of the fucking Telecaster. From Don Rich, from Buck Owens, because they both played the Telecaster and they both kind of fed off each other, but specifically Don Rich, like his influence on Buck, was 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 immense, and I don't think that without Don, I, I think that without Don Rich, Buck Owens never would have been as great as he was. Also, don't forget that Act Naturally, which is arguably Buck's biggest claim to fame, he passed on it. Buck's like, nah, I don't like this song. No thanks, dude that wrote it. And Don Rich is like, no, 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 no. No, I'll take that. I'll take that. He he wants it. He wants it. Almost like 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 your stereotypical like wife, right? No, no. He mm-hmm. he didn't know what he wants. He didn't know what he wants. He'll take it. He'll take it. And so he picks up Don Rich picks up that song, eventually convinces Buck to record it, and it blows up into this iconic country song, like like one of the greatest country songs of all time. And even like George Harrison and the Beatles redid it. 
and and got f- insanely famous off of that. And it wasn't even Buck Owens' song, but was that was that the one that that that, that was his their first number one hit, right? Yeah. Was that naturally? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you're right. There was, yeah, he did, he did turn it down. Don Rich said, "No, you're dumb. We're gonna <laughs> do it." It blew up, and then the no, it, it wasn't no, it wasn't George Harrison. George Harrison sang it, but the Beatles played it. But George Harrison was the the, the, lead be- the Beatles. On. Yeah, no, 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 no. The Beatles played it, but Ringo did the lead vocals on it. It was Ringo. It wasn't George. It was Ringo. Ringo did the lead vocals on it. Oh, then I was and then. Just- and then, like in 1988 or something like that, the late 80s, they did a duet, and I think it was—I'm pretty sure it was—it was Buck and Ringo. But now that you mention it, it might have been Buck and George who who did a duet of that song at some concert. I don't remember what fucking concert it was, but yeah, but no, the the Beatles version was with Ringo on lead vocals. It wasn't George. That's awful. Why is that awful? Because Ringo's the worst part about the Beatles, <laughs> besides the Beatles themselves. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> oh boy, I'm not even that big of a Beatles fan. You are, really. dude. You're totally. You're like the fucking. You're, you. I have, like three you records. Still have I like Beatles three mania. records. <laughs> you're, like, you're still latching onto it. But see, that's the craziest thing. I like three Beatles records. Three of them. That's it. And yet you think I'm like this this crazy <laughs> maniac for that fucking band. But it's those true. three albums are no, it's, it's totally true. I I, I I legit think you're like the number one Beatles fan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and nothing's ever gonna change. Oh, Let It Be is not a good song. Dude, your favorite your favorite Beatles songs are Let It Be, fucking uh, Hold My Hand and <laughs> I don't know, probably some of that Ringo saying Yellow Submarine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're Yellow Submarine's the only song on Revolver that like really brings it down. That sucks. Anyway, but we're not talking about the Beatles. We're talking about Buck Owens. Yeah. You're being a little bitch about it. Yeah. For whatever reason. But what we're talking about, you were okay, so Don Rich, um yeah, go on. I what? just I, I so so the more I kind of dug into the Don Rich Buck Owens story, the more things kind of were blurred. And maybe that's mm-hmm. just my cynical 2020 mind. So, so Buck is 12 years um, older than than Don Rich. Yeah, and it's I don't know, man. Like when you're in high school and you date somebody that's like a year younger than you, two years younger than you, it's a big deal. Yeah, like you, you might as well be dating a baby, right? It's fucking, it's a big deal, and everybody treats it as such. When you're 40 and you date someone that's 30. Meh, not not as big of a deal, but Correct. but when they met each other, like like they were young, and to be twelve years older than somebody at that point, I don't know. I again, maybe that's just my cynical two thousand twenty brain coming in here. It's it just seems weird and bizarre, and then and then kind of furthering into the whole Buck Owens and and he was quite the uh, the player. I guess, I guess you, for lack of a better word, it's just, it's just very, it's a very weird relationship. It is, it's, 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 it's weird. And I, I get it. People can latch onto other people in, in ways that only those two can understand. But again, I, 
I'm a little cynical about this. And I just I think it's weird. I just think it's weird. Is what I'm trying to say. I think it's no, weird. No, I understand. I, think it's fucking I, I, weird. I understand. I, I thought that too. When when Don Rich died, he Buck had said that it was like losing a brother, a son, and a friend all at the same time. Yeah. That that was what he said. And I mean that's a very tragic thing to to say but mix mix that with you know buck was married four times yeah and all married four times all within what 10 to 15 years something like that i feel like back then looking at it like you know in hindsight like it could have been something more romantic i did more romantic of a relationship i think so that's why he took it so hard because like like you said you said too was like after Don had died, it was he only put out a few records here and there over the years, and he only ever played live. Like he never like he only played live at like the local club in Bakersfield. He never he didn't really continue on with Hee Haw for for that long after Don had died, and he he mentioned many many times that you know his musical career was over after Don had died. So, I don't know. I, I think I think in a weird, I mean, not in a weird way, but in a way, it could have been that they had a romantic relationship, and because of the times, he could have he nobody could ever admit it, or they didn't want to admit it in fear of, you know, ending your career or your life essentially because you know people in the community are that awful. But yeah, it's I don't, it's just I don't know. It's it's weird. It, it's weird, and again, I don't. It's just because we're so fucking we're we're in such a turbulent time in in the history of the world that we need to look at everything with such a a cynical eye and it's sad. But I do think this is weird, and I do think the relationship was weird. I do think it was bizarre. And um, as a parent, if my kid was in a relationship any of any kind with somebody that much older in that early on in their life, I would definitely be cynical. Yeah. But also, you know, looking back at it as well, relationships with that big of an age gap was not that uncommon, whether it be romantically, friendship, whatever, you know, it would just, it wasn't that weird. I guess. But nowadays, nowadays, it's just, if if I was, if right now, at my age, if I was hanging out with somebody in their mid-20s, it would be very strange. Like, all my friends would say, or you would say, Ryan would say, like, why is he why is he hanging out with that person? Why is he partying with him? Like it'd be weird. If no, because I feel like once you get to the eighteen, you 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 fit in with people that are almost like twenty five. Once you hit twenty one, you fit in with people that are like in their mid thirties. So Barely I, I, I think I think if, you're, if you were hanging out with a twenty five year old, they would be it'd be fine. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it would be it would be less fine than if you're hanging out with a 45 year old or a 50 year old, but you know, I don't know, dude. It's like, what is age? Age age is just a number, and people are so different, and people mature at different rates. So I really don't know. I just thought that was was interesting and 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 just a little bizarre, a little weird to me. I never yeah. knew there was that big of an age gap between Buck and, and Don. I didn't know that until right now. But I, I knew that they were very close and everything, but I didn't know about the age difference. But that is that when did they meet then? He uh, How old was Don? So so Don had Don had been playing fiddle 
and guitar, but mostly fiddle in his early teens at bars. And they met mm-hmm. at this bar called, honestly, I think it was called like Don, not Don, maybe like Don's or Dan's gay nineties bar. And, and what? Not in like the gay sense of, of why? Yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Like in the, in the sixties, yeah, fifties no, gay sense, but I think that's what it was called. And Buck had seen him playing there, playing the fiddle, and was like, dude, this kid, this kid's dope. Like, this guy's really rad. And Buck had already kind of been transitioning into a more, a more rock and roll sound. Because don't forget too, Buck had recorded some rock and roll stuff under a pseudonym because he didn't want to hurt his country career, his country cred. What the fuck that means? <laughs> he didn't want to hurt his country cred by <laughs> by by recording rock and roll songs. And so Buck had already had an interest in, in, in like rock and roll music and then going even further back. So like Buck settled, Buck and his family settled in, in, in Mesa, Arizona, which is kind of where I live now. But I, I read that it wasn't by choice. It was just like their, their caravan, their wagon, their shit broke down fleeing mm-hmm. like the dust bowl and trying to go to California. And they just happened to like, fuck it. I was lost, but now I live here type of thing in Arizona. To quote the late and great Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, they, they, they settled in Arizona just like out of necessity because they, they couldn't continue further. And so Buck had already kind of, he was, in, he was ingrained with that honky-tonk, with that country sound of like the, the Okies and Oklahoma and Kansas and that area and bringing it forward to California but stopping in Arizona, I guess he kind of, he was able to kind of perfect his own unique sound. And again, the Bakersfield sound, mm. that was there before Buck even got there. People were already doing that specific sound. He just, he made it famous and made it just a little bit better. And so when he yeah. finally did go to California, and also don't forget that he was already married at that time. And his wife and him were like, yeah, we should go to California. His wife went to California without him, like with their kids. And he's like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll meet you there. And he did. And then they didn't even like live together. And I don't even know if he had any contact with his kids. It was just like a separation almost. So, so, mm-hmm. so Buck is not. And it's weird because prior to this week, for whatever reason, I had envisioned Buck as just the purest of countrymen, right? The purest of all of all country singers. And he could do no wrong. And he was the perfect man. He was married to one woman and he had children and they all lived happily ever after. <laughs> that was just my, my, my thing with Buck. I don't know why that was, but for whatever reason, that's what it was. And it was just, he's not that way. He's not a bad person. He wasn't a bad person, but no, he's just not, um, he was, he was human. He was normal. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what, what the hell the Very question much. was here. I lost track of, of time I and don't space either. and everything. <laughs> and, we we really went off on that one. Yeah, I don't I don't Jesus. know. We even played well, one uh, song. Let, oh, we did play one. Yeah, song. we only we only played the title track yeah. at the opening. So, so should we should we get more into that? I, I mean, we we really touched upon it. Like, I think the 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 big part about I've got a tiger by the tail is the Telecaster tone. Oh, dude! I mean, so the, the tone good. To me, the tone stands out the most in that song. That that solo. And that lead in that song is just, it's, it's beautiful. I, it's so good. That tone. Oh my God. I've always like, ever since I started playing guitar, I've always kind of like searched for that tone. And, and like, like the reason why I got rid of my 5150 is because it was too, 
it was too much. It was too much power. It was it was too much crunch. There was too much depth. There was it was it was it was too much. I didn't like it. Yeah. And so I, I like that that hot sound of of kind of like the even like the twang of the surf rock, but throwing it back to like rock and roll where there's a little bit of distortion, but you still can't rely on the distortion to hide the imperfections. You have to be a good guitar player. And I think I, I've I've always I've always been drawn to that sound. Even if I don't listen to a lot of that music, that's the sound that I like. And that's why I think that Don Rich, because I, I, I'm pretty sure that he plays, just like watching videos and stuff, I'm pretty sure he plays most of the good solos and leads because Buck's too busy singing and strumming. And so, yeah, like that's that's a perfect fucking sound. And I think like anybody who's starting off on a guitar should not only have that sound, but be forced to learn how to play with that sound, how to learn how to how to how to hear your own imperfections and not rely on distortion or fuzz to hide all the little nuances that you're fucking up. Love. No, I agree. I, I agree with you, and it's not. I mean, it, the tone is a big part of it, but it is his playing style as well. It's the combination of both. It's clean. It's, like it's you, crisp. It's you. You always hear about people saying, you know, oh, I have the same setup as this one guitar player. I have the same guitar. I have the same pedals, the same amp, the same everything. But I just can't sound like them because you're not <laughs> them. Like you don't. Yeah, dude, you have sucked, to have that dude. style. You have to have <laughs> the practice. You have to have. Like it's more than just having the same equipment. Like you have to have that same style. And Don Rich had a style. He definitely did. And mixed with that tone, I mean, it's it really makes for one of like the greatest sounding things. And like when it comes to when it comes to clean guitar, it's one of the greatest sounds ever. It's, it, it sounds so. There's good. like just a little bit of 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 distortion in it. And I remember I I, I replaced the pickups in my PV with, with the Seymour Duncans that I bought from squid and mm-hmm. I bought them because they were the closest I could get to like a beach boys twang. Yeah. And at the time that's what I thought that I wanted, but really I've always wanted the Don rich sound. <laughs> always wanted it. Have you ever figured out or have you ever looked into what he, what he, what kind of like specifics the specifics of his guitar. Fen- when when Buck died, Fender released like a re a re release or repress or what do you call the fucking guitars? I don't know. Repress, a repress yeah, guitar. No, like a no a, um, a reissue. Re- yeah, a reissue. Yeah, yeah. They released something for Buck, and um, but I mean Buck essentially. I I feel like Buck was just kind of riffing off Don, and and Buck had a sound. Buck knew what he wanted, but Don kind of like in my sense, right? Like I know what sound I want. I just don't know how to articulate it. And that's why I bought a PV, which is not what you would buy if you want that type of sound. No. And so I, I, I bought a 5150, which is also not what you would buy if you want that type of sound. I feel no. like I would be buck. I needed a Don there to hone me to say, oh, I know what you're trying to do, but you're all wrong. Here's what you really want. And, yeah. And I, I feel like that's kind, of, that's kind of what it is. So when, when Fender reissued Buck's um, Telecaster, that's probably the closest you would get to like a stock sound from the Buckaroos. What what I've always thought interesting with you, knowing that that you you were such a fan of Telecasters, the PV that you do have, the PV that you've always had, <laughs> as far back as I've known you, is a Telecaster style. It's a knockoff Telecaster. It's a knockoff Telecaster. <laughs> I've always found that just so interesting. Like you've never, 
never i've known you for 20 years roughly almost 20 years and you've never you've never taken that that plunge and bought a telecaster you've always used your knockoff pv i, I think just I out mean, of, it's, out it's of admirable no- it's it's impressive so like for one out of nostalgia and then two I feel like if I'm going to buy a Telecaster, I'm probably going to drop like 800 bucks at least because I want yeah. a really nice like 60s hot fucking Telecaster that pops and sounds great and it's got a good twang to it and I don't know. I just I'm pleasantly cheap too, but you know, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, man, tell yeah. like like you with your with your Tom DeLong knockoffs and stuff that you want. I, I love Telecasters. Well, I, I did buy a Tom DeLong knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, my knockoff was like 250 bucks, but... Well, I think it's still. hard realm. 250 bucks is like, uh, you know, it's like buying Bud Light. Yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> you might as well get a Squire. Uh, one day, one day I'll, finish, I'll finish what I started with that stupid guitar. But, yeah, we'll get there one day. But I, I, li- I love the, the style of it. It's cool, man. The semi-hollow body great style hey to each his own i guess i don't know looks great not my favorite guitar in my collection it's not my it's not my uh my my strat my fender strat which i love i'll never get rid of that's that's ryan's dad's right the one i bought yeah Uh. you know what i love about it too so i bought i recently bought a squire uh precision bass like a, a cheap squire and uh and it was brand new uh but i bought it used but it was brand new but it's like it's white, and so is my Fender Strat. But because the Strat is like twenty years older, it has that that yellowish tint yeah. that comes along with with white guitars, and I fucking love it. Like I never noticed it, never noticed the yellow tint until I got that Squire like six months ago. Never ever noticed it, but it looks. Oh, dude, I love it. You should also love it because it sounds great. I don't remember his dad ever like selling it. Because I would have bought it. No, his dad sold it because I, 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 the only guitar at that time that I had was that stupid BC Ridge. But, like, you went to Ryan's house fucking like twice. I gone to Ryan's house and I was admiring, and that irritates the me because I was there all the fucking time, and his dad is like seeing me multiple times playing his bass and turning those ampegs up to eleven. Oh, that was so funny. That was so good. And yet he still was, was falling off the walls. Like still fucking sells you like the guitar. And you know, you know what's even better about that is that I had never talked to his dad about it. It was all done through Ryan. So Ryan, so I'd ask Ryan like, you know, I'll buy this off of your dad, ask him how much. And it, his dad off, it came up with a price and I said, okay, that that's good with me. And then I bought it. Ugh. I think it was like 250 bucks. What did I do to his dad to make him hate or 300. me? I don't understand. 250 or 300. I bought that, that strat. I love it too. I, dude, I fucking love that strat. Whatever. <sighs> so good. Okay. Well, so good. Anyway, uh, yeah. Tiger Bite. Okay. So also, I wanted I wanted to bring up too. I think this album is a concept album. I think there's an overall concept here of of love and lost, and loss. Love and loss. Love and loss. Yeah. yeah love and loss. loss. And I think he explores that from the beginning to kind of the end. I think he goes through like these these trials and tribulations of his own personal relationship with whoever he's talking about. And now that I think about it too, it could even be like Don Rich. I don't know. I Who don't knows? know. Yeah. But but Tiger by the Tail, right? Like this one, like this this are we are we just talking about like a volatile or, or maybe even overly exciting relationship 
that at any point can take a turn for the worst, like actually grabbing a tiger by its tail. Yeah, or just biting off, biting off too much. You know, just the the person's not who you thought they were, and they're just a little bit more feisty and and adventurous than you would have, and then than you initially thought, and it's just like a roller coaster because of that. That's what I get from that song. But damn that that that. So like another thing I like about Buck Owens and just the way he, his delivery in general, it's everything's very lighthearted. Everything's very, like meh. I don't really care. He doesn't really care. So it's all good. Everything's very casual. And the intro to Tiger by the Tail when he sings like oh god, uh, <laughs> like that's so ugly, dude. It's so yeah. bad. It's so bad for recording, and it's it sounds terrible and live. It's just not very good. But fuck it. Sounds cool. It does. Yeah, and you can't help but sing it that way every time. <laughs> every single fucking time. I noticed I noticed when you inter- when I made you introduce the song, I could tell you paused very very br- briefly before <laughs> because I could tell you were thinking of saying it that way. <laughs> you really were. Oh, you can't it not. It's it's irritating and fun at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. But I think that's that's most I shouldn't say most because I haven't listened to thirty seven albums by Buck Owens. Nine. That's that's a well I listened to two this week. Oh, okay. Okay, fair enough. So that I shouldn't say most because I, I haven't listened to most of his stuff, but um but yeah, like a lot of the stuff I heard from him is he's very very lighthearted. Doesn't really take himself seriously. He's just kind of in it for the ride. To be honest, I think he's just in it for like the girls and the fame and that's cool. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you on that one. And I think Absolutely. once 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 his butt died, I think that's when it really hit and and he was just like, Fuck this. I don't want none of this. And that's that's also kind of really tragic, right? That that he wanted to be a rock star and his friend died and then he's he just, he didn't want anything else. Like he just didn't care anymore. That's very uh that's very human. It is. Very sad. Very, very sad. Tragic. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do you have any stinkers? I got no stinkers. Okay. Zero stinkers on this one. Do you have any okay songs? No, they're all good. They're all good to, to absolute banger. Okay. So I assume you have no stinkers. I have no stinkers. And I do have one okay song, though. It's one at the end, right? Yeah, it's Crying Time. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, Memphis. No. Memphis, not. no, no, Memphis is fucking rad, and and... and now that I know it's also a Chuck Berry cover, like that's even, you know, now that I click vinyls and I love rock and roll, man, like Memphis is dope. <laughs> oh my God. So good. No. Uh, it's a really crying time. Okay. I mean, that, that's fine. It's not one of my bangers. So I mean, we don't have to really talk about it. Okay. But uh, so what is your, what is your BB? What's your biggest banger? Um, Probably... It's 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 probably a tie between between trouble and me, which I think has probably the strongest melody and the the catchiest kind of tune. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is wham bam. I think that is uh that's very uncharacteristically funny. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And kind of and kind of like wow, I can't believe they did that in like the fucking sixties. Was that? Did everybody do that? I don't I, I, like thinking of sixties music and, and, and things. I just like nobody did that kind of song, right? I mean, I I don't think so. I <laughs> should we get in? Should we get into Wham Bam first, or should we get into Trouble in Me? 
Let's because uh, Trouble in Me is my favorite song. Okay, well let's 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 do Wham Bam and then we can get into Trouble in Me. Okay, so Wham Bam that it's not it's not my favorite. It's top five, but it's not my favorite. But was he the original one to come up with this like that Wham Bam Thank You Ma'am? I think that was Dean Martin. Was it okay? I, I, think, I, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I think Dean Martin. I mean, I don't know who did it first, but I think Dean Martin did uh, did Wham Bam Thank You Ma'am. Um, first. I mean, it's very, it's very th- his version or the or Buck Owens version. F- f- it's very goofy. It, he's like kind of like laughs whenever he says it. <laughs> it's, too. it's very almost like condescending too. Like, like he just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> like he's, yeah, like he just straight uses somebody and just yeah, whatever. Fuck it. And it and it seems like he they did it like in one take. It was almost like it was like a th- almost like a throwaway song in a way. But for whatever, but you know, it worked. It worked out really well for him, and the songs, the song really is a banger. So, but then you know what? What it's like? What it, what you said? You kind of took it as like him just saying, you know, like a one night stand, like wham bam, like thank you, man, that was great, that was fun. But then when you actually like look at the lyrics, it's almost like he's talking. I think he's talking about say, saying how he like dodged a bullet by not marrying this particular girl because she's really not the one for him. Like that's what it is. Okay. It's just it was like it was like a fling, like a like a very short fling, and then it's like in that like after the fact, he was just saying like, "Oh, thank God!" Like it didn't go any further than just the fling, because it would have been awful, completely volatile. I think like that's what I got from it. I think like the f- when he says first thing is match. Also, I think Don Rich sings the song, and it's not Buck, but when he says. um Maybe when he says first thing is matrimony, next thing is alimony. It's alimony. <laughs> <laughs> but he says it like he's laughing. It's so weird, but it works so well because uh, it's so like condescending and cocky. <laughs> it really is. But it sounded like, but it, then too, it sounds like they were just like fucking around in the studio, and it's just like, oh, just roll the tape. We'll just, I'll kind of like make up the lyrics. That's kind of what it seems like too. This. This almost reminds me, or this almost makes you think of like, this is what 60s country smut talk sounded like <laughs> when recorded into song form. That's, <laughs> that's just like the feeling I get from this. And it's, it's so goofy oh, and dumb. And that's it's so, good. It's so dated. That, like, who the fuck can even take this seriously? True. Very, very true. I'm, I'm going to play a little bit of Wham Bam because it's that good. So here we go. Thank you, ma'am. I'll be on my way. Thank you, but no thank you. Not today. First thing is matrimony. Next thing is alimony. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I'll be on my way. I'm just too young to get married, you see. There's too many places that I'd rather be. There's a lot of other fishes in the deep blue sea So wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, that's not for me Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, I'll be on my way Thank you, but no thank you, not today First thing is matrimony, next thing is alimony Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, I'll be on my way 
kind of guy to buy a ring I'm afraid of wedding bells and rising things I'm just too restless, I'll never settle down So wham, bam, thank you ma'am, I'll see you There it is. <laughs> Wham bam. That's that dude that is totally Don Rich singing. When yeah, I, I was thinking that too. Totally Don Rich singing. It's That's not awesome. yeah. It's not Buck. For sure not Buck. <laughs> and you know what I was thinking listening to it right now? It sounds like Hank Hill. It sounds so like when he when he starts like kinda laughing it. You know? <laughs> like just like that that stupid that stupid I guess that I don't know. As Con Super News Phone says, that stupid hillbilly laugh that Hank always is. <laughs> All right, we got anything else to say about Wham Bam? No. Oh boy. Okay, so should we get into Trouble in Me? Yeah, because that is my favorite one. That that's probably my favorite song too. I, again, I think I think it has the strongest. I think it has the strongest melody, and um, mm. it's it's kind of fun because whenever I talk to people outside of like the pod about like strong melodies and they always say like, Oh, this, this song that I love has a strong melody. And then I play them something that I think has a strong melody like this song. And then after mm-hmm. it's over, even a song or two later, say, Hey, remember that song I said has a strong melody. Do you remember like the melody to it? They never remember the lyrics, but then like, I'm like, they can always hum it. And that's how yeah. you know a melody is strong. Yeah, I feel like that that's like the first five songs on this record. You can you can hum the melody but never know the lyrics. Yes. It's weird. It's crazy. It's crazy good. Dude, strong strong melodies. And Buck's got these little like these little like vocal fluctuations or inflections and they like twang kind of. And yeah. the the song overall has like this weird staccato flow to it and and then they, they, that solo with the Telecaster versus the slide guitar. Like, oh, it's what, so good. Like, what are you even doing, dude? Like, I already, I already love Don. And the slide guitar was another member in the band that wasn't Don. And so it's like, finally, somebody else gets to kind of shine and then battle Don over the number one spot. I think his name was Tom. Tom, some, Tom Brumley. Tom Brumley. That's a slide <laughs> guitar guy. <laughs> I will say that there are moments on this record that get a little cheesy when the slide guitar comes in. This song is not one of those those instances, but there are moments for sure where it's it's a little it's a little too like modern pop country that See, that's the problem. Don't forget, man, like the the Bakersfield sound also it wasn't just a country mixed with rock and roll. It was also a very like in your face slide guitar sound. Yeah. And it sucks because of what guys and gals from Coachella have have turned it into. Or from every artist from the mid-80s until now have done. Yeah. So from George Strait to everybody. To everybody. To the chicks, to Lady A, to everybody. (laughs) To them all. To them all. To who's who's the worst one? What's his name? To the mall. What's his fucking name? Uh, not Kenny Luke Chesney. Bryan. Luke Bryan's no, the worst. No, Luke Bryan's dude. bad. Kenny Chesney's bad. No, Toby Keith is like one of the worst. I Easily think, one of the worst. 
No, I don't know any Toby Keith songs. So he's probably the worst. He's the he's probably one of the worst country artists of all time. Whoa, he's so bad. Oh God, it's so I don't even want, I I'm done talking about. It. I don't want I don't want to talk. Yeah, about I don't want to get into that either. Uh, so Trouble in Me, it's uh, <laughs> it's great, man. The lyrics for me, they, it's just him warning whoever is going to try to enter his life, saying, you know, I I try I attract trouble, so it's probably just better just to stay away from me. And let me be on my own. That's really the song. They, and really, honestly, this entire record, the lyrics aren't very deep. Dude, they, very, like, they do get deep, forward. though. They do get deep. <sighs> I don't know. <sighs> That's me doing a line of fucking reality. Cocaina? No, no, I don't do drugs. <laughs> I don't smoke. I smoke fools like you on the b-ball court. <laughs> It's kind of fun how how dude like okay so the complexity of his silly dumb lyrics starts here. This on the surface, this song is about his his ride or die, his best friend, trouble and me. You know what I mean? Like me, my best yeah. bud. We do all these things. We stroll through town. We cause we cause mayhem. But when you read a little bit more, you realize that the tr- he is the trouble. Like he he. It, it goes deeper with that. He's acknowledging his darker side, his inner demon, and how it how it follows him wherever he goes. Yeah. So that's the second song on this record. That 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 is that is like the scratching the surface of complexity as far as his lyrics go. We'll get more into it a little bit later because <laughs> conceptually, this album is is fucking far beyond like what people probably ever even thought of. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe you're maybe you're just looking into it a little more than no way, man, no way, man, because it no all way. like it all like matches up with the lyrics and stuff, man. Why are you doing like a like a like a cheap Tommy Chong? That, was, that dude, that is exactly what I was going for too. Were you really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially nice with like the man thing, like that yeah, the man. Exactly, that was it. That's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> oh my god, I love Cheech and Chong. It was like even when Tommy Chong was on that 70s show, was trying to do Tommy Chong God. as Tommy Chong. The <laughs> 70s show was not good. I don't know why people like that. It was not good. It's 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 100% nostalgia and and 0% writing and and acting and everything else. It's it's a bad show. It's it's bad. I honestly I I, I have nothing to Rebuttal not 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 as bad as Two and a Half Men or or Big Bang Theory, but it's still pretty bad. Two and a Half Men with Charlie Sheen or Ashton Kutcher, both. No 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 both no 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 no. Two and a Half Men with Charlie Sheen was was uh was bad was funny was was at minimum funny was because because that was that Charlie that was that was Charlie Sheen's life like that's. That's how he lived his life. Doesn't make it good. <laughs> and it was so funny. It was, no. good. it was a good show. You're crazy. No, it wasn't. Uh, okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay, okay. okay, 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 okay. So let, let's play. I'm going to play a little bit of Trouble in Me, the best song. I thought you just did. Did you not? No, I played Wham Bam. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're three songs deep. Whoa. So here's uh, Trouble in Me. And me, we're old buddies, you see I've stuck by him and he's a-sticking by me Well, goodbye, honey, be thankful you're free And that you're not stuck with old trouble and me 
a bombing around, a picking them up and a laying them down. Well, officer, we're only passing through town, looking for something that we've never found. Trouble and me, we're old buddies, you see. I'm stuck by him and he's a sticking by me. Well, goodbye, honey, be thankful you're free. And that you're not stuck with old trouble and me. What's so cool about what that solo? What are you doing? Like, how is it what, impossible? <laughs> what What's impossible? Like it, it was so. It's such a perfect fucking solo. What it, What I Why I think it's so perfect is that the first half of it is him playing like the the super reverb like surf guitar sound, and then it goes into that that the the signature Telecaster Don Rich that we know from the record like it, it completely jumps from one to the other and i think thought that was fantastic again this 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 guy this group this is fantastic you just can't get enough of it I, apparently i so like i i have my our, our top our top five lists i wrote at the bottom of my weekly show notes so they're always there just so i can look at them and think if anything changed this one entered my top five of albums of all time. What? Really? Yeah. That's, I dude, won't, that's nuts. I won't tell you what it replaced because that, I'll save that for another episode of our top fives. But yeah, this, this entered my top five albums of all time. It had to replace like Zeppelin or something. So you never know. I, I'm, I mean, I can go back and listen to the stupid episode that we did. Well, but you don't know what it Ooh. replaced. it's true but i can make an educated guess Mm -hmm. but anyway what what's another banger for you on this one so uh, let's let's see here what do we got here i'm gonna look at my notes what do we got here because i really want to i really want to talk Uh about like like the concept that i was i was talking about earlier i really want to get into that but it really starts with if you fall out of love with me, okay. All right, so I'm listening. I'm listening to it. Hear me just out. Do it. Yeah, hear just me go out. For it. Fuck it. I'm gonna do it live. So let's do it. It's not live. Um, if you fall out of love with me, this is this is kind of like a, den- a, a, a denial claim, almost kind of even selfish. Even like if if his significant other isn't interested, he doesn't want to know. He wants to just keep living that blind life and 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 not and not think about it. Which is kind of fucked up in itself, but whatever. So that that's that's one song. You you go into into falling for you. Ooh, that's a good Weezer song too. Um, <laughs> like this is a cute little tale of like falling in love at first sight, kinda, and 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 that that <laughs> it has the same vocal intro as Tiger by the Tail. That <laughs> and then that that lyric, my head started rocking and my knees started knocking. Like I don't even know what the fuck that means. <laughs> what is but it's so good. It's so childish and cute. So, so you've got one. If you fall out of love with me, where he's 
he's almost questioning this relationship. He says, dude, if you don't like me no more, just, I didn't want to hear it. Let's just keep doing us. Let's keep doing our thing. And then falling for you is, is, is he's, he's like falling for this person. Like he thinks like, holy shit. Even though I, I th- may think this person doesn't like me back, I'm head over heels. And then he goes into gonna let the good times roll. Like again, going back to the anaphoria rhetorical mm-hmm. device that we talked about with Led Zeppelin and over the hills and far away member. Yeah. Member. I remember. I remember when, when, when Robert Plant repetitiously keeps saying many times, many times I wonder many times, many, 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 many. <laughs> so like gonna let the good times roll. He's like, fuck it, dude. I'm just, I'm, I'm head over heels for this person. It may not last, but I'm just gonna let the good times roll. I'm gonna let it play out. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the band keeps playing on. This is a sad fucking song. Horribly sad song. And this is when like this whole album kind of lends itself to the idea that these songs are written about one person. A person who is going to eventually leave him. And then you get back to the tiger by its tail thing, which I said earlier. Like yeah. that sets it all up. Like he knows. He knows his relationship is possibly volatile. He knows that this is going to end terribly. He knows that he's pulling a tiger by its metaphorical tail. And it's cute for a while, but that tiger's going to fucking turn around. And the band keeps playing on. The tiger turned around. And, and like this hits him because he realizes that the person that he's with is not over the person they were with before him. Yeah. And he's left there alone, sad, depressed, broken. But okay, so so in the context of it being a concept album, I feel like the the songs that really throw a wrench in it all are Let the Sad Times Roll On and Wham Bam because those two songs like you could take those two songs out and then you know, the sequence of the songs would make sense in a concept and as a concept album, but those two songs don't make sense in, in it all. False. Let me tell you why. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Tell I've, got, I've got a tiger by the tail is, is him feigning he's stronger than he is. He's, he's grabbing some person by their tail and saying like, oh, look at me. <laughs> I'm chasing you. And then trouble in me is him saying like, oh, you don't want me because I'm trouble. Even though he really doesn't believe that. And let the sad times roll on is him it's almost like an inner monologue if he's saying like fuck i've been hurt before should i even do this and that leads into wham bam which is sung by a different person and so it's almost like a different part of his because wham bam kind of doesn't fit with this album because it is kind of it is kind of misogynistic and 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 overly sexual in a weird way but it's also like the most upbeat on the record too yeah right so again so like the fact that wham bam doesn't really fit with anything is kind of like a different part of his personality coming in and saying like, no dude, just hit it and quit it. Toot it and boot it. As they say, as the kids say, okay. and then again, like going if, and then into everything else that I've said thus far. And I think the only time that it really kind of goes off of my beaten path is crying time because streets of Laredo come in after the bank he's playing on and he's at his low point and then mm-hmm. what's next? The fucking lowest song of the, of the album, right? The, yeah, the, the, the song that's sung by the bass player, and it's, it's got that deep baritone oh, it's so good. crispness to it. It's unbelievably sad and slow, and it's a cover, and it's, 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 it's an unbelievable song. And so mm-hmm. it's, it is him at his absolute lowest point. So Crying Time is the only song on this album that I think may not fit into my, uh, 
conceptual narrative. It's possible. I feel like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like street. Okay. No, I, I I see where you're coming from. And I feel like streets of Laredo is the ending of the concept record. Then cry in time and maiden's prayer in Memphis are the three songs that are just thrown in there at the end. Like Like the bonus tracks. They are the bonus tracks to the, the concept album because those three songs don't, they have no, they don't seem to have any relation to the rest of the album. So I, yeah. I get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying from a concept record, but if you but if you break the songs down separately without that idea, the songs do take on a different different meaning. So I, I guess that that's kind of what makes this album interesting and cool is that you can look at it from your your perspective of the concept album and relate different. You can relate certain things to each song, but then if you take them that take them out individually, they take on a, on an entirely different meaning. Which I, that maybe that's what he was going for. I don't know, or maybe we're just looking way too into this. No, I don't know. no, no. I think, I think he had no idea what he was doing, and I never would have thought this way, had it not been, for the immense heartbreak he felt when Don died. If he just if he went on making dozens and dozens of albums after he died. I, I probably wouldn't think like this, but because he was so sentimental and so emotional and so broken by that death, like that's, that's some shit you don't just like wake up with one day. Like that is something that you've carried with you for your entire life because you're overly sentimental, overly emotional. And I, I, I think it was there the entire time. He just didn't even know it was there. I know Buck better than he knew Buck. And I'm talking about Buck. Yeah, it's possible. Crazy, Tyler. Crazy. <laughs> Aliens. Oh God. <laughs> so, what did you say was your was your two B? Oh, I I I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that uh, Trouble in Me is one, and then Wham Bam is two. But okay. I also really really love Let the Good Times Roll. Or gonna gonna let the good times roll. That's my that's my two B right there. So we might we might as well play that one, right? Yeah. And the Vandals kind of did almost a cover of this song. What song? I'll live fast and diarrhea, but here we, here's here's the Buck Owens song. Uh, we're gonna let the good times roll. Well, today's gonna be my lucky day. We're gonna let the good times roll. Today's the day she's coming home to stay. We're gonna let the good times roll. I'm gonna meet my baby at a quarter to ten. We're gonna let the good times roll. I'm gonna be at the station when the train pulls in. Gonna let the good times roll. Gonna let the good times roll. Gonna let the good times roll. Gonna be at the station when the train pulls in. Gonna let the good times roll. See my baby come face to face Gonna let the good times roll I'm gonna dance a little jig all over the place I'm gonna let the good times roll She's gonna walk right in, she's gonna sit right down We're gonna let the good times roll When she gets here, we're gonna paint the town We're gonna let the good times roll Gonna let the good times roll Gonna let the good times roll she gets here, we're gonna paint the town. We're gonna let the good times roll. 
gonna kiss my baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna let the good times roll, gonna hug her close with all of my might, gonna let the good times roll, I'm gonna lock the windows, gonna bar the door, we're gonna let the good times roll, she ain't never gonna leave no more. We're gonna let the good times roll. <laughs> Such a stupid good song. <laughs> I love his voice on that. Gun, like the way he he kind of does the the gut go gut he has that the glottal stop almost but it, it's almost a glottal stop but it's not it's it's more than that it's more than the glottal stop ah it's great man I second best it's the two B for sure kind of let the good times roll what do ah. you do you have, like would you have wham bam on your on your top three, four, five? No, it's top five. Top five. It's probably my number five. Damn. What's your what's yeah. your what's your three or four? My three um just looking through it. My three was probably I've got a tiger by the tail. Four is um Let the Sad Times Roll On. Mm. Yeah. Damn, that's it's, a good one. So, it's like the that's the bizarre. No, 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 no. Four no four is Streets of Laredo, sorry. Oh, that's my, my that, that's like my four or five too. Yeah. This one, yeah, this one was sung by the bass player. Fuck, again, I, I forgot his name. I forgot too. But I even said it all funny too. Tom something. I said it in, in a British slash New Zealand slash Australian accent. <laughs> Tom Brumley. That's what it was. Brumley. Tom there, Brumley. There you go. You got, you got the Queen's English right there. That yeah. was good. That was good. Jamaica? <laughs> Jamaica? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Streets of Laredo is, uh, is is uh like the highlight of this song is is a fucking um is a deep va- bass. But I don't oh, actually good. I I actually wrote here too. I don't think that's sung by Tom Brindley. That's cuz he's not the he's not the guitar or the bass player. He's the guitarist. Doyle Hawley is the bass player who sings Streets of Laredo. So it's not even Tom Brindley. <laughs> <laughs> Oh jeez, help me, wait, Jeebus! Wait, who is who is that then? Tom Brumley? Yeah, Tom. I can't wait, even no. stop saying it like that. He, well, no, the guy who sang it on this fucking record. Oh, Doyle Hawley. He's one of the uh, original Buckaroos. Is he okay? Okay. Yeah, he's one of the OGs. <laughs> but it's a great song. I think I think Don Rich, I think everybody on this album, the Tom, Tom Brumley, Doyle Tom Hawley, Brumley. Don Rich. We're all part of the original Buckaroos, and then there was another dude on there too that I forgot his name. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but Streets of Laredo is really is really cool. It is, and it's I guess it's it's from a song that was written back in the 1800s, also known as the Cowboys Lament, and uh, and nobody really kind of knows where who wrote it originally. Apparently, there's somebody from like the mid 1800s named Frank Maynard who claims that he was, he wrote it in Colorado, but I don't know how true that is, but other people have claimed that it's theirs. And I guess nobody really knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But dude, the it's, it's such a, the song really just catches you off guard because of those, those uh, vocals. They're so deep. Well, it's almost to the point where it's like comical. Especially because, like, obviously, when you first hear this, you think that's that's Buck Owens. Yeah. 
And so your your initial thought is like, damn, I cannot fucking believe this squirrely little dude can sing that low. And just it makes no sense. And then yeah. you look into it and it's it's not him singing and it's it's one of his backup band members. Like that's rad. That is so cool for for at a time when you when you when your group is called Buck Owens and then like featuring the Buckaroos to let one of the guys from the Buckaroos sing not one but two songs on your album. Mhm. Yeah, I don't know, that's man. True. That's that, that is a uh, that's a true frontman right there. Yeah. That's a true frontman. It is. It really is. Uh so what what do we got lyric wise here? It's what what do you, what do you what do you think? Well, this is I mean this is not this is not his song, so No, it's not. And it's been done so many times, so lyric wise I don't care to be honest. <laughs> I, this one didn't fit in with my narrative, so I pretended it didn't exist. But then you <laughs> threw it into your narrative. <laughs> Just be just because it came right after, and it was so low. <laughs> but I mean, it's what this, this song is just about loneliness, right? Is that it? Kind of, but it's kind of like the the death of the person. It's it's the 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 cowboy dying and him telling another another person or another cowboy like what happened and his life and everything, and then it's his death and how he wants to die, how he wants to be remembered. That's kind of the the. The song. That's also, what it is. Also, what's a fife? I wrote that. I wrote that down. I don't know what the fuck a oh, fife is. I think it's like a guitar, isn't it? I'm gonna look it up real quick. A fife. I figured it was like a flute of some sort. A kind of small, shrill flute used oh! with the drum in military bands. There you go. It is a flute. It sounds like a flute. Right. Fife, flute, flute. And then, and then the verb. The verb is play the fife. That's play what it says. the fife slowly. <laughs> Good stuff. Should I should I play Streets of Laredo? Yes. Oh, okay, man. I will do it. So here it is. Do it. Streets of Laredo from Bucko. It's in the Buckaroos. As I walked out in the streets of Laredo. As I walked out in Laredo one day. In white linen, wrapped up in white linen, as cold as the clay. So beat the drum, slowly play the fire, slowly play the death march as they carry me on. Take me to Green Valley Lake The sod o'er me I'm shot in the chest And I'm dying There you go. There's a little bit of Streets of Laredo from Buck Owens and the Buckaroos. Yeah. What What else do we want to talk about? What other songs should we get into? What do you want to... 
Leave him oh, be well, I mean, he was so that guy Doyle Holly. He was a good bass player. He even won like an award for being the best country bass player of the year. So there that's that's cool for whatever that's worth. And the dude has like, like you said, almost like a laughable deep voice. <laughs> yeah, it's so surprising when he comes in <laughs> during that. I, is the chorus? I guess you could say. I guess yeah. I guess it would be the chorus, the the fight lowly part. Yeah. Damn, it's so fucking low. Cause it's it's, um, it's like the when you go on the haunted mansion at Disneyland, and you hear the the statues the. Oh, the that heads. one statue that's obnoxiously lower than the other ones. Yeah, it's like yeah. that. It's not obnoxiously lower. It's Dude, just like it's, it's so fucking. It's low. noticeably. It's noticeably lower. That's what it reminds me of. Not to play. <laughs> It's like the only I, time you the only time you can hit those low notes is when you're like sick and your throat's all <laughs> fucked up. And then you talk like oddly lower than you're supposed your, your to. Your throat's fucked up and you you've just woken up, so it's like early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And and then and then you like you you make a point of it, like you because you can never talk or sing like that, so you like overdo it. Yeah. And that's all you do. You constantly talk and say stupid shit. <laughs> 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 that's true oh, that's so cool no it's not cool but no it's cool it's cool it's cool <laughs> it's cool it's tight 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 okay shit. yeah um uh, let's see what else i got here uh i wish you had you had papers that you shuffled but you oh, no longer write them. your notes yeah, i don't no longer write notes anymore. on paper i did i actually do that i don't remember doing yeah, you that. used to do that stupid <laughs> Honestly, though, like I feel like writing your notes. I mean, for me personally, like writing my notes is going to put that into my long term memory. Whereas this is going, most of it's going into my short term, but key points, fun topics will go into my long term. Whereas writing them, almost everything would go, would, would go into long term. <laughs> just like the way, just the way I write now. Like in college, I wrote, I wrote notes too all the time. I used to write my notes, handwrite them. And then I would type them, and then I would study the typing notes. I'd essentially read the same thing three times. Man, if it worked for you. And it's funny, too, because then I would do really well on tests, but I would study the syllabus enough to where I said, okay, I can miss X amount of classes and <laughs> skip Y amount of tests and still pass this class. And so that's, that's kind of how I got my degree, because, you know, C's get degrees and stuff. It's true. That's all that matters in the end. Yeah. If it even matters, but it doesn't. It did nothing for me. But um, as for most people, it does so. Nothing. So I, I don't know, man. Just I, I, I would like to just point out that the that the Bakersfield sound is is a fantastic sound. It's a really cool, innovative sound that Buck Owens kind of made more popular. He didn't start it; just made it a little bit more popular, especially at a time when like Nashville that 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 scene was mm-hmm. was turning to pop music and pop audiences. And kind of like, and kind of making country weak, and I feel the Nashville sound is the reason why we have the Coachella. This this is called the Coachella sound, for lack of a no, better word. No, but see, I don't like that. I don't like that. Why? Because Coachella's no wait, no stagecoach. Sorry, stage sorry, coach, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Scratch that. Stagecoach would be more appropriate. Yeah, the the stagecoach sound. Not the Coachella. Even the Coachella is stupid too. But that's the reason why we have the stagecoach sound is because. Is because Nashville. Nashville is turning to pop music. And that's why Buck 
in the Bakersfield sound was so important because they wanted to keep they wanted to keep rock and roll in country music. And I know, mm. like we always talk about, like Little Richard and 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 Chuck Berry, like the, the kings of rock and roll. But there was earlier instances of rock and roll before them, and that had that had roots in country music. That had roots in like honky tonk. That had roots yeah. in that scene. And so it is very very important when talking about rock and roll to acknowledge the kings. But also, kind of, you know, give give a little credit where credit is due, and that is that is definitely the country scene. Yeah, I I, I agree with you on that, and I do want to say it is such a shame that Buck Owens is constantly overlooked as like one of the greats when I think he is the greatest, Whoa. or up there with like the greatest in country music. He what has about, to no he. What about Tommy Tucker music? though? Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I honestly think too that that Buck Owens is might be better than Johnny Cash when it in when it comes to country. oh yeah I, I I mean I have no doubt in my mind that Buck Owens is better than Johnny Cash I think Johnny Cash cashed in on his his image and I think he yeah. did a, he did a couple things that really solidified him as as a legend and one was his image one was that Man in Black thing that he that he stuck with dude until like. Until the end, like until today, the day, like yeah, until the day he died, yeah. Fuck, like he is—he's stuck with that image forever. And the other thing was was playing at Folsom. Like that yeah. was even still today. Like maybe like like uh, I think like the Tigres del Norte did it or something or somebody else did. I don't know. Like nobody's done that. Nobody plays at prisons. Yeah, nobody, especially really in America. That. Americans hate people that Americans hate prisoners. You go to jail, then you're pretty much done for life. Metallica played at San Quentin. That was after Johnny Cash played there. Well, yeah, but still. That was after Johnny it. Cash warmed him up. <laughs> <laughs> 40 years prior. I know. <laughs> well, they were part of the, still the, part of the same people that watched both shows. <laughs> probably, yeah. You know, there's, honestly, there were probably some people there that, that saw both. Oh, yeah. that's sad. Oh, shit. Okay. But no, but, but Owens, honestly, he's he's probably the best in country of all time him you know johnny cash dolly Parton. that's it <laughs> i'm, I'm w- still w- would you consider like woody guthrie or is he too old no he's 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 too folky is he okay yeah i would um okay. I'm, I'm still getting i mean you will get into country more once i give you your 100 vinyl that has like oh, half God. of them a country you will oh, you God. will start to you will, you will start to understand like more of this era of country music and it's kind of cool so so like some of the guys and 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 people that i've come to admire like jimmy rogers like for sure is 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 probably top five for me and and he's he's like the original singing cowboy yodeling cowboy and so many people have 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 put their careers and and done things in the same vein as he has and and it's Mm -hmm. he's fantastic and even though hank snow has done a lot and I have a lot of Hank Snow albums. He's fucking good. He is so fantastic. He is so great. But so is Buck Owens. So. It's true. And even even CCR gave him a shout out in their song. Yeah. Buck Dinosaur Owens, Victrola. So good. So good. So good. And let's let's talk about too, you know, he was on the show Hee Haw for many years. Gave that up in 1986, but he stayed in Bakersfield 
and he continuously played at his nightclub. What was it called? The the Diamond Palace or oh, fuck? What was it called? Some, something Palace Nightclub in Bakersfield, and him and the Buckaroos would play there like every weekend, and up until the till he died. So he he performed. I forgot what year. What year did he die? Like the early two thousands. Yeah, something like that. So he played that night, and he died like several like a few hours after that performance. He he went to bed, went to sleep, and he never woke up. And that was it. Like he performed, and that was the end of his life. Pretty, pretty crazy. At his club that he played at, and every weekend, and man, like what? Like it seems like what a humble guy, you know. After all the success and money and. Like the the financial like the his, the whole like Buck Owens brand that he he built, like how much money he was worth at the in the end, dude. Like the dude was still playing at like his local, the local nightclub he owned every weekend. The guy was a fucking multimillionaire for so many for, for doing so many different things, but he was still playing every weekend to small crowds because he loved to. Well, talk about like the branding too. Don't forget, like Buck, Buck owned like two or three huge radio stations in the Phoenix area. It's true, yeah. And eventually sold them to two huge companies. One was iHeartRadio or Clear Clear Channel, Clearwater mm-hmm. Revival, and the other one he <laughs> sold to Disney. Yeah. Like he made millions. <laughs> yeah. Because he bought these bootleg fucking radio stations in the middle of the desert. <laughs> it's in the fucking, fucking nuts. 60s. And then I think the what was the other one? It was in Bakersfield, and he held on to that one until he died. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, what a what like a an interesting um, investment, you know? Like who would have who who would have thought back in the seventies or eighties thinking, oh, let's buy radio stations, hope hoping in in due time that you know this show is just gonna sell for however much. Dude, it's not even, especially it's, from those two conglomerates. It's like, it's like, I'm going to buy radio stations, and then I'm going to make great music and play my music on the radio stations, yeah. and then double dip into my profits. <laughs> exactly. It is a true entrepreneur, yeah. as it were. Yeah, truly, he truly was. Such an interesting, such an interesting person, you know, he really was. And his, his impact on the music industry and country music, and then essentially putting Bakersfield on the map. I mean, cause who the, prior to Buck Owens, who the fuck talked about Bakersfield? Dude, like even after Buck Owens, who the fuck cares about Bakersfield? Well, I mean, corn, obviously that, that was kind of what I was going to segue into. <laughs> the only thing um, post Buck Owens that may be of relevance to Bakersfield. Is that it? Is? No, that's yeah. It. Corn and corn and Buck Owens. No, seriously. That that's it. Yeah. Those are like the only two significant, I guess significant things that have come out of that city because prior, prior to Buck Owens and prior to Buck Owens was, it was just like a, an oil town. It was, that's all they did was just oil. It was run down. It was poor. I mean, it still kind of is, but you know, even when, when corn was up and running, when, when they first started in the early nineties and even prior to that, when they were still teenagers, it was like a shithole. It was, it was a slum. It was an awful place to live. But Buck Owens and Corn, they've they've like you know, they're the biggest export essentially out of 
<laughs> fucking Bakersfield. It's it's so weird. And then even and then with the whole connection with Buck Owens and Corn too, is that Jonathan Davis, the singer from Corn, his dad Rick, uh, used to play with Buck Owens all the time. He was a piano player, keyboard player, and he used to play with Buck all the time live. So Jonathan Davis grew up around Buck Owens. So that was a that's a cool little thing too. And the city has you know dedicated so many parts of the city to Buck Owens and Corn. And then eventually Jonathan Davis bought Buck Owens old studio and theater. And that's where his home, that's where his own personal studio is, is the old Buck Owens studio in Bakersfield. And it even got to the point where he he lived there too. Like it it got to the point where Jonathan Davis was there so much. He like built like a little makeshift apartment there in the theater and lived there and just made music. It's fucking crazy. It's I wonder at what point did Jonathan Davis in his life was was getting into music and then you know getting into like the history of music and says like, oh dude dad you ever like because he talks like Tommy Chong too like dad you ever heard of Buck Owens and so like, yeah I used to play key- <laughs> I used to play keyboard for him <laughs> no but Jonathan Davis what? used to go see his dad play with Buck Owens oh so I already knew no yeah because so like so everything oh. I've read and I've, I've heard is that Jonathan would always go to his dad's concerts every weekend or during the week or whenever because his dad would like, he was a touring musician too, like a local touring musician. So he would go to a lot of his shows and he would go see him play with Buck Owens. So he, I mean, he was very aware from a very, very young, young age that the significance of music and Buck Owens and everything like that. And Jonathan Davis has always been very vocal saying like I was, he was never into rock music he was definitely never into metal music until he was an adult. Like he was always into country music, hip hop music, especially uh, electronic music. He was more into that stuff than any sort of rock or metal or even especially punk. Like he was never really into that stuff. And I always thought that was really interesting too. Like his, and he was like one of the first like DJs in Bakersfield to like DJ clubs and everything like that. I think, or I think he was like the first white person to DJ clubs in Bakersfield, it was some something crazy like that. Are there are there a lot of clubs in Bakersfield? Apparently, it had it. I mean, back in the the eighties and nineties, it had a pretty pretty interesting uh, music scene, like hip hop wise and uh, like dance stuff, and and then the metal scene too, the small metal scene, metal punk scene. But yeah, it was all there. But yeah, Jonathan okay. Davis, man, he's he's one of those guys that you know he he grew up there and he still lives there. In Bakersfield, still lives there. I, dude, I just, I mean, nuts. I don't know Bakersfield that well, but isn't Bakersfield the one that has the Del Taco that you go on the way to Vegas? No, that's Barstow. Oh, then I know nothing about Bakersfield. Yeah. Bakersfield is like more, even more inland than Barstow. Then what the fuck is there in Bakersfield? Like, Bakersfield is like when you go, okay, so you know, like when we go to Bar, when we go to Vegas, we take the 15 out. Yeah, Bakersfield is where you take the five past the grapevine, and then instead of taking the five north, you take like the ninety nine. So it's like like ninety nine inland. It's even more inland. Yeah, it's like it's like after the grapevine, it's like another hour and a half past the grapevine, inland. Yeah, it's 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 another part of California that is just forgotten forever. And and from what I've read too, there's a part of Bakersfield that's called like Oil Dale, Oil Dale, and it's so like shitty and run down. And there's <laughs> just like oil. What are those 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 oil things that go those up and pumps? down? Pumps. 
those pumps there's there's just like hundreds of them they're just all over the city but people live there and it's just like fucked up and gross and nasty and it's called oil dale yeah well you gotta do what you gotta do i guess but yeah damn okay so there, there's a little history on corn for you, because I'm a corn Yeah, got to talk about Omar Corn Tom every episode. So you we know got it, our, man. Uh, if I can hit the three of them, which I didn't do the, today, but if I can hit the three of them, then you, you know it's going to be a good episode. <laughs> the trifecta. The trifecta. I got to hit the trifecta, but didn't hit it today. The but. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Who would be the Father, who would be the Son, and who would be the Holy Spirit? I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> I, I think... I think for you it would be, it would be corn as the father, Tom as a son, and then Omar would be the Holy Spirit. Uh, that it might be, it might be. I was thinking Tom might be the Holy Spirit. What? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's tough. Let, let, think let me think it. about it. Let think me think about, about it. it. Come back. Come back next week. I think will. About it. I will if I can even remember this. But yeah, no. I'll oh, think about dude, it. it's terrible. <laughs> We're going to hell. There's a hell. Oh God! What should we do? What should we do? Should we play another uh, song? Should we round it out and finish could, it up? I mean, we could we could round it out. We played like if you've heard a couple of these, you've you've kind of heard them all. Yeah, they're they're very similar in in uh, in, in tone. They're very similar in, in their melodies, and I think like the bulk of what we what I really wanted to talk about was Don Rich, was the Bakersfield sound, was all of that history for this this group for Buck. Um. Yeah, man, that's that's pretty much like all I got. Okay. All right. Well, we have a three point rating system here on the pod where three is a perfect album, two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to, one's a bad album but you should give it a shot, and zero is an album that should have never been made. That you know the band should be you know I don't even know destroyed for ever making this record. <laughs> So what do you got? What do you got for this? What do you, what do you just go? I don't even know. Just go. Uh, so again, act naturally was always my favorite Owen song. And for like years, I love that song so much. And I never listened to his music. I just, I, I just, because Spotify was so easy, I could change it and put something else on. I, I just, I never, I never listened to it. And it's a shame because the sound that I had been searching for, like on the guitar and everything that I've, all the amps that I've bought, all the guitars that I've owned, had I just listened to this when I was like 16, I would have saved myself so much money and so much time mm-hmm. because this dude, Don Rich's is Telecaster sound is the exact sound that I want. And I've always thought it was the Beach Boys, their sound, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't rock enough. It wasn't crunchy enough. It wasn't it wasn't distorted enough. This is. This is you a You hate distortion. I I hate too much distortion. I hate too much. You can't rely on the the distortion is a tool. It is not it should not be in the forefront. Correct. Sometimes, not always. Depending but um style. but yeah, man, this is this is a fantastic album. Like I said earlier, this crept into my top five as of tonight. It might change, I don't know. But um, yeah, this crept into my top five of all time. So this is a this is a perfect album. This is a three out of three. This is oh easy. My God. This is this is not even. I don't even know why I'm still going on because I it's can't a believe you gave us a perfect three. Yeah, I can't believe it. Believe that. 
can't believe it. Cannot believe I'm it. I'm gonna let the good times roll. Uh, my my final thoughts. You know, I, I grew up listening to Buck Owens, not knowing who he was until I was an adult, but always knowing the songs and knowing the voice and that style. A lot of great memories growing up at my grandparents' house with my grandpa and stuff. So that was great. Uh, yeah, and then, then this album, being introduced introduced to this album a few years ago, and man, it is banger after banger after banger, and then reading more about his history and what he what he did for the music industry and his style dude, it's it's uh it's fantastic so i'm gonna have to give this one i mean like like most episodes i don't throw out the perfect three a lot but this is a perfect three damn gina you this is a perfect, perfect three. three too this is a perfect three yeah. oh man this fucking guy this fucking my fingers guy. touching you fucking guy <laughs> it is a perfect that. three I don't throw it around often, but yeah, no, this one, this Dude, one is you, perfect. Again, you, you give out threes like they're fucking Halloween candy <laughs> on a Halloween non-coronavirus can- year. Like it's, Halloween it's candy is so good. So good. I don't like any candy, pretty much. I like some candy. The good candies. The good candies I like. The bad candies uh, I don't like. I don't like candy. It's probably your favorite song, too. No, that song sucks. But anyway... Perfect three. Wow, I'm 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 surprised. I thought I thought maybe like max it would be a two point eight. I yeah. thought you'd probably go like two point five, two point six. I'm very surprised at a three. I am. I really am. Why though? I don't know. I mean, you died because this is not this is not like your sound. This is not uh, besides the country aspect to it, the guitar parts, the the, the bass, everything else is not. Not your normal cup of tea, and, and you're very weary about country music in general. So I don't, I don't know. I I'm weary. I'm weary about modern country. I I know, I know. I mean, I hope you I know. know. I I know. I know. I guess I, I guess color you impressed, right? <laughs> Is that right? Listen, I I I only follow science, and it is what it is. <laughs> so we should just live, laugh. Oh, God, it's so awful. Okay, well, this is Asinine Radio. Thank you for for deciding to listen to this to this episode. A good iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Give us five star rating and review. That would be great. But yeah, we just did Buck Owens. If you didn't know, we did Buck Owens and his album. I've got a tiger by the tail. So um, that's it. That's all. Wow.